0: Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share his grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. What a wonderful beginning of the year. Hmm? Well, I am excited to jump into 2021 and I'm excited to start the year with a time of refreshing and realigning with God. Amen. Amen. Anybody else that's like, yes, I am ready to go for it with God this year, yeah? All right, good. That's one where you want to raise your hands usually, by the way. Uh, I saw, maybe you remember this from, I don't know, it's probably like 15 years ago, but can we put up the first picture? Maybe you remember these these billboards that used to pop up by the highway that would be from God and say things, right? Did anybody remember these, like driving on the highway? They were around Cleveland, I saw them. This first one says, we need to talk, and let's keep going. What's the next one? That love thy neighbor thing, I meant that. It kind of falls in line with what we've been talking about this morning already, right? What about the next one? What does it say? If you must curse, use your own name. I like that. So I was thinking about these billboards, and I decided I would add one of my own as we get ready for our fast. And so the final one here is, I like fasting before it was cool, right? Maybe you've seen those billboards and the stickers say, I like Cleveland before it was cool. Well, the Lord says, I like fasting before it was cool because you know we're about ready to embark on a time of 21 days of, of fasting, really just seeking the Lord. But the reality is our world, our culture has kind of adopted this language of fasting, hasn't it? It's, it's something that we've seen and you see in dieting plans now. It's, it's fasting, but it's completely scrubbed of all the roots that fasting has in scripture and really made into a purely physical thing in our culture nowadays. It's funny, people, you tell them you're fasting, like, sweet, yeah, no, I do that too. Right, that's, that's what's going to happen because we've said before how our culture is constantly co opting things from the Word of God and from the ways of God and just putting a, a completely void of God's spin on it. But biblical fasting is all about making time for what matters most. Maybe that's abstaining from meals so that you can give that time to find God and seek Him with everything you've got. Maybe it's even just the energy that you use to make those meals and you just set one or two aside a week or whatever it is that God's calling you to do so that you put that time into seeking him. I wanna encourage you, if you're here today, you can head out to the Connect Center. There's fasting packets there. If you're watching online, you can go to wordofgracechurch.com slash fast2021 or click on the big banner on the homepage and you can find all that information there. But I wanna encourage you as well, we'll talk about this later in our fast, but read through Isaiah chapter 58. You might want to write that down. Isaiah chapter 58 is an incredible passage of Scripture, and it talks about really what the Lord desires from our hearts when we fast. I mean, you know, that's what matters when we fast. Not just what we decide to abstain from. but What is going on in our hearts? I want to encourage you to read through that, and then prayerfully, maybe this afternoon, take some time, prayerfully ask the Lord what he wants you to do during these 21 days. Lord, how can I get involved? How can I... Seek you with my whole heart, because Jeremiah 29:13 promises us, "When you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me," says the Lord." So that's exciting for us. And as we turn the page into a new season for 2021, I'm excited to, to just pursue God, and I, I also want to encourage you, as you're setting goals for a new year. Maybe you've already done this. that's okay, you can revisit them. As you set your important goals for 2021, set goals that bring you true health. Set spiritual goals for yourself, okay? Because maybe physically you've got some goals, maybe financially you've got some goals. The number one goals that you're gonna set, that are actually gonna do something and make an impact in your life for the long haul, are spiritual goals. So I wanna encourage you, as you're setting your goals, don't skimp on the most important ones, all right? And I wanna make you this promise today, as your pastor. Before we even get in the word this morning, I wanna make a promise to you. Whatever it is that you feel Like God is laying on your heart. Whatever it is that he's drawing you towards and you want to grow in, you're saying, 2021, I got to figure this thing out of how to walk with Jesus in whatever area it may be in your life. Whatever that thing is, we want to come alongside and we want to cheer you on and we want to grow together in 2021. Maybe you're saying, I want to know more about who God is. I want to to know what his nature is. I want to read the scriptures and, and be able to get a sense of who my God is more and more and more but you don't know where to start. You don't know where to turn. Maybe it's a particular area of growth in, in like the rhythms you set, your, your, your pace of life, whatever it is that you feel like needs an adjustment and God's been speaking to you about and you're looking for help. We wanna come alongside. Maybe you're like, Ryan, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I feel like God is asking me to go deeper, but I don't even know what that looks like. Maybe you're new to walking with Jesus and you're like, yeah, I, I, I don't know where to begin. We wanna walk with you. We want to be alongside you. We want to meet with you. We want to make time to sit down, maybe do a Zoom call, whatever. We will make some time. If you're like passionate about this, you're saying, I have to grow in this area. Come seek us out. Send us an email, whatever it is. And we want to walk and journey with you in 2021. See you grow in Jesus. There's nothing that matters more than the spiritual goals you're going to set for yourself this year. So maybe you're a reader. Maybe not. Maybe you hate reading. Maybe you understand through you like, you know, looking at video content. Maybe it's podcasts. Maybe like I got a half an hour commute to work every day. I want to use that time instead of turning on the sports radio and complaining about the Indians. I want to use that time to grow spiritually. Whatever it is, we got a bunch of things that we can suggest to you and would love to pass along to you. You know, it's 2021. There's so much out there that you can dive into to enrich your soul. Don't miss out. But more than just hooking you up with resources. My promise is this. We want to make some time to encourage you. You know, if you're saying, I got to grow in this area, come and find us. Talk to us. We want to sit down and talk to you about it. We want to grow with you. You know, myself and Pastor CJ, if you're watching online, send us an email. Whatever you want to do, we will schedule a time to be able to sit down. We'll follow up. We want to journey with you this year. All right? Does that sound good to you? Okay. Because if not, it's okay. We'll just not. No, I'm just kidding. But I also, I also want to give you a strange encouragement this morning. Um, listen to some other good pastors. You know, good pastors, okay? Don't just find somebody who's going to, you know, speak prosperity gospel to you or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times from a pastor, you know, in our world, sometimes pastors get worried about and, and maybe even actively discourage members in their church, people in their church from listening to outside voices, you know, because they're a little worried about you're gonna get some weird theology or something like that. Here's the thing fill your ears and your hearts with sound teaching. Fill your ears and your hearts with sound teaching, but be committed in the house. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times what ends up happening is somebody goes after some new prophet, ministry, whatever, and they forget that God wants you to be committed to the house of the Lord and the people of the Lord. So fill your ears with sound teaching. And if you come and talk to us, I will let you know if I think it's not sound teaching, okay? Because there's a lot of really weird stuff out there. But fill your ears with good teaching, Bible teaching, that's going to draw you closer to Jesus. But be committed to the people of God he's called you to journey with, okay? Don't pull back on being the church where God has planted you. But the reality is what we journey in on Sundays is not everything this year. And I may not be addressing on Sundays this year that thing that God has laid on your heart to grow in. So find sound teaching on it. And we have plenty of different options we can suggest. If you say, look, uh, we're not talking about this in church right now, but I want to grow in this area. Again, we want to come alongside, we want to resource you, we want to journey with you this year. Because you were designed for community. The Word of God was designed to be read and digested in community talked about. Maybe, uh, maybe you need to make your life group a priority this year, you know, because you were made for community. Maybe you need to find a life group this year. I want to encourage you, once again, go back to Connect Center, come find us. We will get you hooked up with some people who are going to drive you closer to Jesus. And that is what matters most. As my dad always said to me, show me your friends and I'll show you your destiny. All right? So who are those people you're surrounding yourself with this year? We'll get into that as we get into the word here in just a minute, but we love you. We're excited to journey with you. I believe this with all my heart. 2021, no matter what happens, and in the first 10 days of 2021, it doesn't look like anything's changed from 2020, right? No matter what comes our way, Jesus is on the throne. He wants to take us deeper. We want to go with you. Amen? Amen. So, last week, uh, we started a, just a short two-week conversation called Turn the Page. We looked at the way we transition from season to season. Maybe that's season to season in job, whatever it is, year to year. We looked at the massive principle from scripture that Robert Ferguson calls the principle of leaving and entering. How we transition season to season, year to year is so, so important. If you missed that message, I encourage you. It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook. Go back, give it a listen. Um, Let me know when I said weird things because it probably happened. Here's the reality mainly, if you look at our world, mainly people are just pumped that 2020 is over, right? People are like, yes, it's over. I need a new season, whatever. It may be. But as we turn, turn the page to 2021, we don't just turn the page flippantly. And we don't do like our world and just flip off the year that was 2020 and like good riddance. We don't do that. That's not what we're called to do in Scripture, we don't try and just big ourselves up, amp ourselves up for what's ahead, pretend it didn't happen last year, whatever it is. Instead, we choose to follow what Scripture calls us to do as believers. We look back on the seasons that we've had, not just tracing the crazy events and the happenings of 2020, but looking specifically for what God was doing in our midst. We're able to do that. Hindsight is 2020, right? And 2020 is now hindsight. Hindsight. We may even be able to build a memorial for ourselves, and we talked about this, of how faithful God was in the midst of all that we saw in 2020. We might need to do that, but above all, we talked about speaking to our souls about the seasons that we've had and about our God's faithfulness. We looked at the difference between self-care, which is a really big topic, particularly in January of every year, right? New year, new you, it's everywhere. Self-care is everywhere, but there's a different thing that the Word encourages us to do is soul care. It is really pursuing the One who designed you and letting Him do some new things in you rather than just changing all your circumstances. The Word says that the path to a healthy soul, healthy relationships, healthy emotions, it's found when we abide in Christ. In His words and in His presence together. John 15, Jesus says this to us. He says, if you remain in me, you will produce much fruit. If my words remain in you, you can ask anything in my name and it will be granted to you. That sounds like a great promise to claim over our year ahead, our season ahead, amen? We speak to our soul. We remain grounded in his promises and his presence. And that's not just something we do as we reflect on the seasons that we've had, but it's an incredible and crucial step that we need to do as we enter new seasons and we look to the future full of hope, amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love that you continually take us to new seasons, that you translate us from glory to glory, and that we get stronger and stronger because you are stronger and stronger in us. We know that that's the path we want to be on. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us from your word? Would you drop nuggets of truth into our lives that you would just... Haunt us throughout our weeks, but also, Lord, draw us back to your presence over and over again so you can transform us. We know that if we really, really, really pursue your word and your promises, we don't stay the same. We get transformed. So push us out of our comfort zone and into that place where you can begin to change us and make us more like your son. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, one of the biggest transitions that most of us have lived through. I know we got some teenagers in the room, you didn't live through this. It's okay. One of the biggest transitions that most of us have lived through in our lives was the turn of a new millennium, right? What a crazy thing that happened. We we were there for the turn of a millennium. And if we're honest about that moment, it got a little weird, didn't it? Remember Y2K? Right, I showed you guys uh, a little while ago the Christian pamphlet that I found in the office, and it, it was literally titled The Year 2000 Computer Program, and it talked about a Christian response, how Christians stockpile their goods and things like that for the computer meltdown that was coming. It's pretty entertaining. It's good reading. If you want a good laugh, I'll show it to you. The reality is, sometimes when we hit transition moments and ones that we don't understand and we don't know what's ahead, sometimes we start building doctrines around our fears that never come to pass. And that is not what we're called to do in Scripture. A couple of years after this huge transition moment, the turn of the millennium, Pope John Paul II released a book, and he called it Memory and Identity. Memory and Identity. And the subheading was Conversations at the Dawn of a New Millennium. His suggestion to us of what we need to do as we enter a new season, a new millennium, it really seems to have escaped most people, if I'm honest. He urged people everywhere to take time and reflect back on the 20th century with all of its wars, with its cultural upheaval, technological sonic boom and more that we saw in the 1900s, and then also to remember who we are meant to be as the church, to remember our mission and our purpose given by God, memory and identity. I can't think of two more important things to consider as we launch into any new season, and moments of transition. And I also can't think of two things that seem to have been gone out the window as we you know, look back on 2020 and all the craziness that transpired. We seem to have lost sight of who we are, and we seem to have lost sight of the fact that we've had moments like this before. You know, if last week we had the foray into the idea of remembering what God has done and memory, you know, perhaps this week as we look to the future could best be summed up by identity, what we need to carry forward. Would you turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 6? We're going to read, I got the New Living Translation. Here's the thing, whenever any pastor says to you, turn to the book of Judges, it should be met with the sound effect like this, dun-dun-dun, okay? Okay? If you want to know what's going on in the grand story of Scripture, in God's interaction with human beings at this moment in Judges, it can really be re- uh, summed up by the repeated phrase all throughout the book of Judges. And it's repeated the last thing we see in the book of Judges. It says this in Judges 21 25. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. What could possibly go wrong, right? What could possibly go wrong with everybody just doing what feels good, huh? But if I'm honest, it kind of sounds like our world, doesn't it? Well, this feels good to me. That must be true for me, right? Everybody just did what seemed right in their own eyes. In the book of Judges, the people of God constantly refused to follow God's ways, So they repeatedly ended up in these cycles where they clash with the nations around them and then God shows them mercy and raises up a judge, a leader from among them to rescue them. But even these judges, like the kings later on in the story, they just get worse and worse and worse to show how, apart from God's direct intervention, we're all a mess. Even the strongest amongst us is a complete wreck without God in our lives on a daily basis. That's what we see. And the judges are an example of that. So here's one thing. If you're wanting to read a book of Scripture that has a lot of narrative and stuff like that and it's kind of crazy and a little bit bloody and crazy, the judges are not role models, okay? Maybe Deborah. She got it right. But the judges, by and large, Samson, you know, all these guys, they're not not role models, okay? There are some insane stories in the book of Judges, but in Judges chapter 6, we see them at one of these transition moments again. They've gone through the cycle And what's happening is that the people are scared, they're disillusioned, they've been through a rough time, they feel like they can't get over the hump, they're running scared from their enemies, and they don't know what to do. They have real threats in their life. They're not just making this up, but they have real threats in their lives. i got to tell you, after 2020 and the very real threats that people have been facing, the real chaos that we saw wasn't imaginary chaos. I mean, we might still have it better than 95% of the world, but there were some real threats in 2020. We've had to contend with. We can learn a thing or two from these types of cycles we see in Scripture and what God calls us to do in transition moments. As we said last week, there's also a very, very real enemy who would love to keep you cowering in fear. No matter what you went through in 2020, no matter what apprehension you might feel towards the future, the enemy would love nothing more than to just fan the flames of your fear and not have you step out in faith. But God has a far, far better future in mind for you. For all of us together. Amen? So let's, let's look. We're going to look at the beginning of a story of a man named Gideon. And you might have read Gideon's story before, but if you want to know a bit about Gideon, he's kind of a coward. He's kind of a coward, and he's got some issues. Even when he's deciding to trust God, he's kind of rough around the edges, Gideon. He's repeatedly unsure, even when God has spoken specifically to him, and he knows exactly what God asked him to do. He's not sure about it. So we're dropping in on a transition moment for the people of God and for Gideon himself, coming from a season of disillusionment and feeling utterly trapped to freedom once more. Judges chapter 6, we're going to read 1 to 24, it says this. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and he handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel to the Israelites that they made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites." Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. It's amazing how sometimes we have to get to that point where like, we can't do a single thing before we turn to the Lord. right? When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought. Remember, like last week, he reminds them. He reminds them of who he is and who he's been to them. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you i drove out your enemies and gave you their land i told you i'm the lord your god you must not worship the gods of the amorites in whose land you now live but you didn't listen then the angel of the lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to joash of the clan of ephiasar gideon son of joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the midianites the angel of the lord appeared to him and said mighty hero The Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why is this all happening to us? Maybe you felt like that before, huh? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. This is a direct throwback to what God called Moses to do in delivering them. He said, It's your turn. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least in my entire family. Sounds like Moses again. Lord, I don't speak very good. I don't have what it takes. The Lord said to him, Catch this. I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, If you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. And he answered, I'll stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home, cooked a young goat with a basket of flour. He baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock. Pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of his staff in his hand, and the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. The angel of the Lord then quickly disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Ah, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Don't be afraid. You won't die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah, in the land of the clan of Abiezar to this day. I'm going to stop there. Anybody out there that kind of person, maybe you like honest about yourself, and you know you're that kind of person who when somebody says something unbelievable to you, you're immediately skeptical of what they're telling you. Want to raise your hand? I'm kind of that way. I'm like, ah. Maybe. Well, we'll see. Well, I mean, how can I put this to the test, right? Maybe somebody tries to convince you of something or tell you about an incredible deal they got, and you're like, there's, there's a catch somewhere. Prove it. Prove it, right? All right, maybe the rest of you are just gullible. I don't know. Easy example. At the beginning of 2020, uh, if somebody told you that the Browns were going to make the playoffs, who would have believed that, right? Okay? I don't know how, but when Gideon encounters the angel of the Lord... You know, we've talked about what happens when people see angels in Scripture and they almost always fall on their faces and pretend that they're dead. Somehow, that doesn't happen with Gideon until the end of this story that we just read. This term, the angel of the Lord, is used throughout the Old Testament to describe often the Lord himself or a messenger that the Lord sends. Either way, it seems that the Lord intentionally hides who is speaking to Gideon. Why does he do this? You know, Gideon replies to him just like a normal person is speaking to him calls him Sir, not Lord, and the Lord then later turns to him and he realizes some things. I wonder if God didn't do this with Gideon so that he could draw out how Gideon was really feeling inside. Maybe you've had this before, or maybe you noticed this. We tend to put forth our best effort when we're around important people or people that we think we need to kind of suck up to, right? Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you've heard this phrase, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat someone they don't have to treat well. Maybe there is a reason that the Lord didn't reveal himself fully to Gideon and allowed him to kind of whinge a bit about things. Because he really wanted to draw out what was in Gideon's heart. I wonder, you know, if he didn't do something like that here. Hebrews tells us that some of us have entertained the company of angels without knowing because the Lord hid their real identity so that we could showcase our real character and what's really going on in our hearts and minds. At the beginning of Gideon's story, we get a real sense of his character and what he believes to be true. God asked Gideon to do something that isn't just a little bit tough, it's impossible. It's impossible. So he essentially says to the Lord, prove it, right? Prove it's really you asking. You've never done this with the Lord, have you? You know, the Lord asks you to do something, and you're like, that, that can't be God. I think that was the weird pizza that I ate last night, right? you never done this with the Lord. Maybe, maybe we're stepping into 2021, and you're looking at the season ahead, and God's asking you already to take a step of faith, and you're like, ah, prove it. Prove that you're really asking me this. Maybe he's knocking on the same door of your heart that he's been knocking on for a long time, that same thing that he's asking you to trust him with. That same area of hidden sin in your life, whatever it may be, and he's like, can you really fully trust me? Can you surrender that thing to me? But you're a little skeptical. Gideon is a lot like most of us, if we're honest. He's a little skeptical. He likes to hedge his bets, right? He's like, I'm going to trust you, Lord, but I'm going to also have my plan B, C, and D in case things get dicey or I get a little uncomfortable. This is who Gideon is. He's still looking... At the impossibilities, he's a little slow to give up control. But God will never rest until he has all of you. That's a reality. Maybe you've been journeying with God for a long time and there's areas of your life he's knocking on that door. He will never stop knocking. He will never rest until he has your whole heart. Sometimes the things that hold us back from truly pursuing God with everything we've got are a bit like Gideon gives reasons why he can't do it in this moment in this transition moment that we see for the people of God, and for Gideon himself is massive, he finally realizes in verse 22, okay, it's really God asking, and finally we get that moment, that reaction we see over and over in Scripture where he falls down and thinks he's going to die. Right? The Bible terms this the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. He reveres, he honors, he understands that he is totally unworthy to be speaking to the Lord, and he thinks he's going to die. And it changes him, if you read on in the story, from wise in his own eyes, like all the people were at that time, to listening to God and following his instructions. You can read on in Gideon's story for yourself if you want to. Again, not really a role model, but used by God for a very specific moment, a specific purpose. But I want to dive a little bit into this exchange that he has with the angel of the Lord. Because I believe this. I believe nothing will bring you closer to God or change your life more in 2021 then realizing God is speaking the same way to you as he spoke to Gideon, and responding to God with trust and reverence like Gideon did. I love how this story begins. Throughout scripture, we see God specialize in changing people's destinies, changing their destinies when they can't see what he has planned for them and he shows up and he sets them on a brand new path. He does it all the time, and sometimes he changes their name even to mark that. Simon becomes Peter. Jacob becomes Israel. Abram becomes Abraham. He's the God that Paul tells us in Romans 4.17, gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they are. I love that phrase. See, Gideon, like all of Israel, was not. Not good enough. Not strong enough. Not well-educated enough. Whatever it may be. Maybe you feel sometimes like you are not. Not. But our God gives life to the dead and he calls those things that are not to new life where they are. Gideon, like all of Israel, was not. They were scratching out an existence. They were afraid, frustrated, disillusioned, not ready, not mighty, not good enough. Then the call comes from the Lord and he says this, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. I want you to hear that today. The Lord is with you, mighty hero. I want you to let that sink into your soul a little bit today. The Lord is with you. He's in your midst, mighty warrior. I picture Gideon in that moment, terrified, hiding his grain, kind of a coward. The angel of the Lord shows up, says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I picture this this kind of motion. Me? What are you talking about? This is what Gideon says with the angel of the Lord. To Gideon, this is a clear-cut case of mistaken identity, right? You got the wrong guy. No, 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 no. I'm not that guy. You must be mistaken. Have you ever had somebody mistake you for somebody else? Like, CJ and I joke all the time, like, he gets confused for Pastor Greg down the street. uh, uh, What is it? Uh, Chester Christian. They look a lot alike. I have one moment where I got mistaken for somebody else that will always stick in my memory. I was I was living in England, and I was pretty poor, if I'm honest, and I was living in a not-so-great little town. Um, and my friend, though, Scott, he worked for Aston Martin, the supercar company. And occasionally, he would bring home a supercar worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to test it. Okay, yeah, All right? Guys in their 20s don't test supercars. He's not fiddling with the, you know, electronics, Okay, so we would just bomb around in this, like, hundreds of thousands of dollar car. And as you do, when you're 23 and you're broke, we decided to go get some McDonald's. Classy. We're really classy. In the supercar, we roll into the McDonald's parking lot in our not-so-great little town that we lived in and parked not far from where a bunch of young hooligans were, you know, sitting there in their souped-up Ford Fiestas. We went in to order inside, because this is England and they barely believed in drive-thrus at this time. We go inside to order and the, you know, people had seen us roll up in this Aston Martin and I'd start speaking to my friend in my American accent, my normal speech, and this little kid was watching us and I watched his jaw hit the floor. Because he watched us get out of this car. He, he watched us come in. I started ordering a Whopper in, or a Big Mac in my, you know, American accent and his jaw just hit the floor out. Reality was, I was a little bit shaggier looking back then. And I didn't have a beard, and I heard him whisper to his friend, I kid you not, that I was, in fact, Justin Bieber. And that's, that's a true story. And I'm like, oh no. And then I realized there's a new look. Now remember, this is like young, innocent Justin Bieber, not like tatted up, bleach blunt, whatever. I can do that look, but I don't think I could be being a pastor anymore. <laughs> But I'll never forget that look he gave me, that little kid, and and like kind of laughing about it, because here's the reality. I knew how broke I was, and I knew that was not my car. He didn't know those things. In his mind, even though I looked at myself and I saw all my flaws, all my issues, all my problems, he saw someone famous. He saw a superstar of some sort. Gideon in this moment, all he can see is his flaws. All he can see is the things that disqualify him from what God is asking him to do. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, how can I rescue Israel? Don't you know that I am my clan is the weakest in the entire tribe of Manasseh, which is the weakest in Israel, and I am the weakest in my family. The weakest of the weakest of the weakest link. You got the wrong guy. You don't know how broke I am. You don't know how little I have to give. You don't know how many flaws I have. He's he's speaking these things about himself. And the reality is sometimes we speak to ourselves this way, right? Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've spoken to your soul that this is your identity. I can't do it. I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not at that place. I need to fix some things first. God could never use me that way. Maybe you've said these things to yourself. Maybe you're saying to God, I can't move forward. Can't you see that 2020 just wrecked me? I need some R&R. I can't do it, Lord. Listen to me. Scripture is full of God resurrecting and using people who are the least likely people to succeed. You know how you get those platitudes in high school yearbooks, like most likely to succeed? Gideon was least likely to succeed. And maybe you felt like that too at some point. Maybe you're like, yeah, no, I don't have it. I don't got it. God constantly uses those people who don't have it, those people who are not, and tells them that they are. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says this, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Insecurity flowed through Gideon in this moment. It was all over his radar. It was what he saw when he looked at himself. And he began to confess over his life his weaknesses. But not for a second did that disqualify him or make him less useful to God. All those weaknesses in his life, they might have been true, but all they did was make him a candidate for God to move in a miraculous way. That's all they did. They made him a candidate to see the miraculous in his day. So I want to say to you, let's never allow our insecurities to speak louder to our soul than the Lord. Amen? What is God asking of you? What is he saying? This is where we're going. And are you speaking back to your soul? Yeah, right. Prove it. I don't have it. I'm not good enough. Insecurity was flowing through him. Just a quick side note, something I've noticed about us as a people, we tend to really like this thing called self-deprecation. Like, it's like the basis of a lot of humor in our culture is like making fun of yourself, like making yourself seem small. And even sometimes we let our insecurities masquerade around as self-deprecation, masquerade around as modesty. You know, I'm sure somebody else could do that better than me. I'm sure somebody else is more qualified for that. Yeah, I'm gonna let somebody else have their chance to step up for whatever it is God's calling us to. I don't have the training, I'm not equipped for that. The list goes on and on. In the family of God, in the church, we need to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. When God speaks, we need to be all in on what he's speaking. We need to get out of our comfort zone because sometimes our insecurities that are real, those are the things God wants to move us past but we're so busy pretending that we're just modest when we're really insecure that we can't get where God's wanting us to go and we need to let those things down and trust that he is more than enough for where he's calling us to be. We need to do that. Because the reality is this, church is far too often 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Maybe you feel like that about your job. Church is like that too. Could you imagine what it would be like if everybody was all in? It'd be amazing, it'd be amazing. Because I have to tell you this, no matter what you may feel as you look in the mirror, no matter what things you know about yourself, flaws, failures, whatever, you see not a single one of them disqualifies you. And God is longing for you to press in and trust him with those things. Press in because your church needs you to step up too. Your church needs you to step up. We need to be all in together to accomplish the plans that God has for us as one. See, Paul didn't look at Timothy and tell him, hey, go find all the PhD candidates and Nobel laureates. Those are the people who are going to do the work with you. That's not what Paul said to Timothy as he was building a church. He said, find those people who are faithful and available and make them able. You hear the difference there? It's not about their chops. It's not about their resume. It's about whether they're ready to trust God. And what we're praying for, for word of grace and for all of us, is that God will put a fire underneath every single one of you and every single one of us. And every person that calls Word of Grace home would say, I might not know exactly what to do, and I might not be cut out for that, but I'm going to get in the game, and I'm going to trust him to do the work through me. We're looking for those people who declare over their soul, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So my question to us today is, what is that thing that you're declaring over your soul? What is that thing that you're declaring as your identity? Because God wants to do the miraculous in your life. I'm positive of that. The life more abundantly that we read about in Scripture and salivate over is life together in the body, as the church, trusting God all together. That's what it looks like. Amen? Amen. As a child of the 80s and 90s, I love the Mighty Ducks. Anybody else like flying V for life? Yeah? Okay. Okay. There's a scene where there's a lady who has to step in and coach because something happened with Coach Bombay, but she doesn't have a clue what she's doing. She doesn't know how to change the line. And one of the players, little kids, comes up and just says, just yell, change it up, right? Just yell, change it up. And she gets to yell that. And today, I get to fulfill a childhood fantasy because I want to tell you in 2021, you might need to change it up, right? Change it up. Change up what you're speaking to yourself. Change up what you're declaring over yourself. Change up where you're drawing your identity from. Like Gideon, the first thing some of us need to do is realize our self-talk, to hear ourselves and what we're actually saying about ourselves. We see all our flaws, all of our weaknesses. I'll be honest, that's not a bad starting place. That's okay. Be real about those things with God. It's not a bad starting place because none of us is perfect. We all have things that we have to work on. But the question is this, are we going to make the leap from what we see in us to what God sees in us. Are we going to go beyond, yeah, I got some things that I got to fix here that I need to trust God on that that are not perfect in me. Are we going to then stay trapped in that moment? Are we going to trust that God sees something different, rest in his promises, and move forward in Jesus? Are we going to make the leap? Because the world will prey on your insecurities. It will prey on your insecurities. You know that your insecurities are the number one thing that people use to sell you things? They are. They're the number one target of advertising. It's the number one strategy in all of advertising is to prey on your insecurities and your fears in consumer culture. Think about it. Maybe you're insecure about the way you look. <laughs> We've got clothes that are going to make you feel like a million bucks. we got makeup and new hairstyle. we got everything that's going to make you into someone who you're not. Because it's all about insecure. Maybe you're insecure about what people think about you. Well, here are some ways to dress up your life on social media and keep real relationships at an arm's length so that you can just feel like, everybody loves me. Maybe you're insecure about your job. Maybe you're insecure about your purpose, your calling in life. I guarantee you. And they all start with, I don't know why, but they all start with 10 things that, right? Every new clickbait article out there. 10 things, 10 ways to kill it at work so you feel like a success. Ten ways to party hard so that you forget about those tough things going on in your life. Our world preys on our insecurities if we let our insecurities be the driving force of our identity. When God looked at Gideon, what did he see? What did he say? What did he declare over Gideon's life? He saw something different, and it's the same thing he sees when he looks at you and me. He sees us as his special creation his image bearer, and the dream and destiny that he has for you since before the world began and before you were ever born, he sees in you. He sees who he made you to be because with him, it's less about our resume, it's less about our our chops and our abilities, and it is more about intimacy with him. That's what we were all made for. God's answer to all of Gideon's stinking thinking, as my grandfather calls it, Verse 16, what does God say? I will be with you. What's going to matter when you hit that hard moment? God is with you. What's going to matter when you feel like you're in over your head? I'm right there. I'm right there and I'm not going anywhere. As he said to Abraham, I am with you. Go, go, go. As he said to Moses, it doesn't matter if you can't talk right. I will be with you and I will show my power. He says in Isaiah 43, I'll be with you in the fire and the flood no matter what you go through. And Jesus is still saying to you today, the last words of Matthew, I am with you always. I'm with you, and I'm more than enough. See, you are called. You are unique. You are special. You are created by God with a -a one-of-a-kind destiny that cannot be erased, and he will always lead you into that destiny, but you have to choose to trust what he's saying more than what you're saying over yourself sometimes. You have to let him give you new eyes to see that situation you might be facing. And not only your weaknesses in the face of it all, but his strength that he longs to give to you to get through. It's time for us to start looking at our lives through heaven's perspective. Amen? Question is really simple. It all boils down to this. Whose voice are you listening to as you speak to your soul? Whose voice is setting your identity? Whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to God's promises? I'll be with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be with you and I'll lead you through. I'm going to lead you into a new promise. You don't even know. Are you listening to what God is saying to you? Or are you listening maybe to your self-talk and what's going on on the inside when you see parts of you that you rather people didn't know about? When you look back on some failures and flaws that might be very real in your life, Maybe you're listening to another person who you've given a whole lot of authority in your life to speak into your identity and shape you. Maybe it's a person who their opinion has counted far too much for far too long and they've told you you're not good enough or they've told you you just got to get here first or whatever it may be. Maybe you need to let go of what some people think about you and realize that nothing matters more. No one's opinion matters more than his. A lot of us, over the past decade or so, have listened to what the internet says about us, haven't we? How many likes did I get on that? Why are we even posting some of these things that we're posting? We've learned to listen to a whole lot of other people about who we are, rather than listening to him. The oldest, most identity-shaping question that is found in scripture is the question that shapes us daily still. It's found in Genesis chapter three at the fall of man. God asks Adam and Eve after they fall, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you had flaws? Who told you? Who opened your eyes? Who taught you to see yourself this way? Who told you you need to be ashamed of who I made you to be? Whose voice are you listening to? Who is defining you and speaking into your identity when I, your creator, just long to be with you every day? How we speak about ourselves, how we listen to others speaking about us, and how we think about ourselves, it matters to our future. If you want to turn the page into all God has for you in a new season, this is important for you. And a couple of things as we bring it into land here. You know, we've said it before, but Brant has an amazing saying that he always reminds me when I get down in any way. And we need to hear this often. Be careful what you say to yourself about yourself when you're by yourself. Be careful what you declare about who you are. Hold those things accountable to the word of God and what he declares over your life. Amen? See, I'm here to tell you, God sees you as who he created you to be. He will never stop chasing you down with his unstoppable love. He longs to be with you. That's where you were designed to be, with him. And even when you can't see it, and even when you don't know how God's going to bring it about, and even when you don't feel qualified, and all you can see is your flaws or your failures, you can walk in his identity for you. You can. Even when you don't see it, you can walk it out. How? 2 Corinthians 5.7, and you should just leave your finger in your bookmark in 2 Corinthians for a minute. It says, we can walk this out despite our issues. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. So the first thing is this, you need to change it up. You need to begin to declare over your soul and speak to yourself what God says about you what God thinks about you. How precious are your thoughts towards me, oh God, says David. Do you know that God's thoughts towards you are precious? That he cares so, so, so much for you. Even when you feel like nobody's listening and you feel isolated and alone, he is right there with you. And we need to walk this out. We need to change up our thinking. As our friend Gary Spicer says, you need to speak the truth to what is true. Because it may be true that you've messed up. It may be true that you've got a mountain in front of you. It may be true that things are difficult and that things went from bad to worse last year. That all may be true. But you can speak God's truth to those situations. You can speak God's truth to any issue that you're facing or anything that your past is threatening to hold you in bondage with. Your situation may be tough. Your ability may be lacking, but God is with you and he longs to be with you more. He always will be. He's your foundation, and your identity is hidden in Christ. Amen? In Habakkuk chapter 3, the prophet says, things aren't going well. Things are going terribly, actually. The vine's dried up. The food's gone. I don't have any cows left. Everything's gone, a bit like Israel. When we read about Gideon, he says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be faithful in God my Savior. He is my strength. He is the one who enables me to ascend to the heights even when everything is bad. He is the one who is good forevermore. Listen to the words, in the Lord, in God. It's not about my situation. It's not about my ability. It's about who my God is. It's about his strength in me. David knew how to do this. He knew how to do this. He encouraged himself, 1 Samuel 30. His men are losing faith in him. They're talking about stoning him. He hears the whispers of what other people are saying about him. And he says this. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He didn't go, oh, what am I going to do? Or I need to fix this part of me or whatever. I got to do this self-care. I just need a break from these idiots I'm trying to lead. He strengthened himself in God. He reminded himself what God had declared over his life. Let me ask you, what's your confession over your life? What do you say about yourself? What is the identity that you proclaim over yourself? Is it like Gideon? All the faults, all the flaws, all the failures, all the I'm not enough. Let's change it up. Let's begin to speak to our soul what God sees when he looks at us. Let's take off the old self and put on the identity in Christ, amen? Another thing that you might want to consider is to surround yourself with people who are going to speak God's perspective over your life. Who are those people who you take counsel from? Who are those people who, when something goes wrong, they're your speed dial? And are they speaking God's words to you or not? It's an important question. I want you to get around some people who will not just commiserate with you in the tough moments. I know misery loves company. I know that every bar in America proves it. We need friends who are not just going to commiserate, but they're going to call out God's promises in our lives. We need friends that we can be real enough with to go, hey, God said this to me, I don't get it, but remind me when I'm down. Remind me when I can't see this anymore. And they'll do it. They're not just going to give us the world solutions. Do you know what the world solutions are, especially when we're down and we can only see our failures? Hey, man, you need to cut loose for a while. Here, I got a bottle with your name on it. We're going to have a party. Maybe you need to give some of that up. And instead of turning to some of those old solutions of the old self, you need to remember who Christ sees you as. And you need to start declaring those things over your life, but you need to surround yourself with people who are going to speak those things into your destiny. See, I've told you about my friend Sam before, who was constantly picking me up when I was in my darkest place. You know what he used to say to me over and over again? And I always, I have the text to prove it. He'd end it, he'd say, you hero, you hero. And I'm like, who are you talking, what are you smoking? You hero. It's the same thing that that angel said to Gideon. I don't even know if Sam knows that. (laughs) But it had the same effect on my life. I tell you that, we need those people who are going to declare over us again and again, "You're a warrior, you're a mighty warrior, and God is with you. Find some people who will speak God's truth to what is true in your life. Because in our weakness, His power is made perfect in us. Amen. Second Corinthians 12. It's not about your pedigree, It's not about your power. It's not about where you come from or whether you're educated enough or whether you feel good enough in that moment. In Christ, you're a new creation, says 2 Corinthians 5. And that is how God sees you. as a new creation, redeemed, completely restored and lacking nothing. So we speak to our soul. Our confession over our lives is that, you know, as as we're on the brink of a new season and it makes us ready, we say to ourselves, I belong to Jesus. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And that any trouble that I'll ever face, greater is he. His strength is enough for me. We stand on his truth. Because it's not about who we are, it's about who he is. Amen? I heard a question that is so good. Maybe you're in one of those challenging moments. You're like, I get it, Ryan, but I got a mountain I'm trying to get over. This question will rock you like it rocked me. Are you talking to God about how big that mountain is? Or are you talking to that mountain about how big your God is? See, that's what it looks like to strengthen ourselves, to lift ourselves up in the Lord, in his power, is to remind ourselves of who he is, and that defines who we are. Amen? So what are you saying over your life? Because there is a war on your identity. There is a war on identity in general in our world right now. It's true. Our security and true identity for each and every one of us rests not in who we are, or what we're trying to convince the world that we are, it rests in whose we are and who we belong to. Amen? Amen. I belong to Jesus. He has my whole heart. When I don't have enough, when I don't feel like enough, he is always more than enough for me. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I'm going to invite you to close your eyes or take whatever posture you want to reflect on what God's speaking this morning. Maybe you're watching from home and... You just need to, you need to just settle in for a moment on the couch. Maybe you've been doing other things. Just take a moment and listen for just a second. We want to reflect on these things. See, we're launching into a new season. It's a season full of opportunity for us. The greatest opportunity that we have is to journey in a fresh way with the Master. So if you want to seize this moment, if you want to turn the page well, if you want to make 2021 and all beyond that, everything that God intends for your life, we gotta look at our self-talk. We gotta look at the identity that we're proclaiming over ourselves. You might feel right now like, you know, you're only able to see your flaws, your failures, those things that have gone before. You may have spent some time listening to people who tell you what you can't do. It's so how you pipe down, stay in your lane. That's too big for you. You might have been listening to some people who have limited you in that way. You might have a situation in your life or even sin in your life that has you frozen in place when God wants to call you to more. We need to arrest all of those insecurities and all of those false narratives about who we are and begin to speak truth to our soul. I belong to Jesus. He is more than enough for me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. When I go through the waters, He is with me. When I'm walking in the fire, he's right by my side. I am forgiven. I am free. I am loved by God. I am a new creation. I am a child of the King. You need to proclaim these things because that is who God sees you as and that is who you really are. As we worship, I want to invite you to proclaim the truth of God over your life. And speak it over maybe whatever you've been carrying from 2020. Maybe whatever situation you might be facing. Maybe you've been carrying something for far, far longer and 2020 was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Begin to declare God's truth to what is true. You know, it's not because we're so awesome that 2021 is going to be a blessed year. It's because our God never fails, amen? He doesn't change And his banner over you and me is love. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard what God really thinks of you until this moment. You know all of your flaws. You know all of your failures. God does too, but there is good news today. God himself came for you. He became a man. He paid the ultimate price so that all of your attempts to do it in your own strength can be replaced instead by his perfect power in your life. All of your flaws, all of your issues, all of the sin in our lives, any of us, it can be completely forgiven. That is some good news right there. If that's you, I want to pray over you. Maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online. You can just raise your hand on the church online. You can send a comment on Facebook or whatever. We would love to pray over you. We would love to pray with you specifically today. Now I'm going to head over to the side after worship here, and you can come and find me wherever you are. We can pray together. Don't miss this moment of clarity. Don't be done here before God's done speaking to you. Maybe you're here today and you've got some other things going on in your life that you know you've been allowing to speak way too much over your identity. Maybe it's a person who's in your life, or maybe it's something you've believed about yourself for far too long. Maybe you've just been focusing on all your inabilities. I want us to pray and release some things today. So as we worship, and you can stand with me, as we worship today, I want you to just turn your palms upwards. Go ahead and stand. And if you're watching at home, you can stand wherever you are too. I want you to turn your palms upwards. And if you've got some things in your life that you've been allowing to speak to your soul louder than the voice of God, I want you to begin to surrender those things. You can pray out loud. You can pray in your heart. Just begin to surrender those things to God and we're going to worship because Jesus died for us to take those things and he rose again with new life for us, life more abundantly, amen? So let's pray and we're going to worship in a moment. Father, we're thankful that when you look at us, you don't see all of those flaws and all those things that we see so readily. You see exactly who you created us to be and you see a child that you love. You see a lost one who is just hungering for you, would you reveal yourself more completely to us? Would you come and teach us that you're right here with us and that you're not going anywhere? And would you teach us to arrest all of those insecurities, all of those thoughts that are not true of us and hold them accountable to what you say to be true? Because our identity is in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. The old us is gone. The new creation is here. And forevermore, we will be with you. And you will never leave us and forsake us. You don't change, you don't fail, and you're not going anywhere. Jesus, teach us to proclaim these things over our lives and to move forward in you because you are all we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.